I'm going to give you what the Lord gave me. But first, I'm just going to share from my perspective. You guys are just, you guys glow. Now, I know we've been gone about a year and a half, and I don't know how long you guys have been coming here, a couple of years, three years, maybe, something like that. So you guys had just started coming when we were here, and I really didn't get a chance to know you, but I just saw God doing stuff in your life. And the Lord gave me this for you when we were uh, beginning a service. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, it says, But God has chosen those that he will set into his body. And the key there is, but God has chosen. Now, I don't know what you guys feel like God going to do with your life. I have a sense that, that your biggest desire is just to be in God's presence and be used by God in any way that, that he sees fit to use you. But I want to encourage you tonight from the Word of God, from that passage there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God has set you guys in this house. Don't discount maybe anything from the past that that's going to keep you, you know, that's going to discount you from doing something for God. And don't discount what God is speaking to you because God has put you in this house. He has set you in this house. You are important in this house. When you guys aren't here, there's a piece missing. You guys are that important to God and that important to this body. So I just want to pray for you. I want to lay hands on you and pray for you. That as you guys continue just to open yourself up and just to seek God with all your heart and, and, and be what God is instructing you to be. And then as you're faithful there, he'll move you on to new things. Because what I see over you guys is, is the sky's the limit. I, I don't know what you do for careers. I don't know what your vocations are. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that you, you understand how to do things with excellence. And God wants to use you with a spirit of excellence just like he put on Daniel uh, to, to promote his kingdom and to point people to him. Because you guys, to, every time I see you, you guys just glow with the presence of God. So I'm, I'm going to pray for you guys, okay? All right. Father God, I pray for John and Marissa right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. Lord, you have placed them together. You ordained them, Lord God, to be together, and you ordained them to be in this house. So, Father, I, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you flood their lives. You flood their lives with encouragement. God, I pray you bring rivers, streams, oceans, floods of encouragement from you right now. You are an encourager. You are a comforter. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just increase their love for you. You increase their marriage relationship. God, you just increase huh, You just increase their household, Lord. Suddenly, Lord God, you're going to bring something their way and they're going to know it's from you. Suddenly, Lord God, you're going to speak something and they're going to know because they've been faithful and they desire to hear your voice. So God, I pray right now you just pour out an abundant blessing upon them, Jesus. In your great name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate it. Bo's going to come back a little bit later toward the end and, and share some more. But I want to get into the message tonight. I'm excited to be here. Coming home. Uh, let, me, let me greet a couple of people. My, my beautiful wife, Pastor Jan, and my, my three lovely, we call them our tacos, our three youngest at home. Uh, Love you guys. I know you guys are online. I know there's other people from our church in Louisiana that's online. God bless you. Pastor Jan preached uh, tonight. They're three hours um, ahead of us. So it's 7 o'clock here. It's 10 o'clock there. Uh, so uh, they've already had Sunday night service. Pastor Jan brought the word. And uh, one of my, my worship leader texted me and said, Your wife is bringing a good word. And I said, She's, she's good like that. Uh, she, she can bring the word. And uh, they had a great service this morning. We had a great service in Anchorage this morning. I got to preach at KC Anchorage. And uh, we talked about faith this morning. Talked about uh, do we have faith in our Father, our Heavenly Father. Earthly fathers may disappoint us. And, and I know all about that. And, and contrary to popular belief, I'm not the perfect father. And uh, my children can testify to that. Uh, but our Heavenly Father is perfect. It is not within His capacity to fail us at all. And we need to learn to grow and exercise our faith in our Heavenly Father. So we shared that this morning. And then I know the power of God moved and people were touched and changed. But I am glad, I'm glad to be here tonight. I, the Lord's given me a message uh, to share with you guys tonight. And, and I'm going to share it. Uh, in really the only way I know how. Uh, so take your Bibles, take the Word of God, and turn to uh, the book of Genesis. 
chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Hallelujah. It just feels good in this place. And you know what? There's all kind of things that we could be doing tonight, but we've decided to gather together tonight and honor our Heavenly Father. And that's not a criticism of those that have decided to gather and barbecue or gather and do other things. But can I, well, okay, maybe Pastor Skiet is. Okay. Um, we're just going to encounter God tonight. I hope you've come expecting. Okay? I hope you have. Because God is here. God's expecting to do things in our midst. That's why He shows up. Oh, I could preach a whole thing on that. Okay? But I hope you're expecting tonight because God is here to do something in our midst tonight. And those that just had to be somewhere else tonight, well, I'm praying God shows up where they are. And I'm praying they're expecting God to do something where they are. But I know what God wants to do tonight in this place. Genesis chapter 37. Would you stand? Let's stand and honor God's word. I know we're like popcorn sometimes. We're up and we're down and we're up and we're down. But that's all right. Genesis chapter 37. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhal and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. So he, also he made for him a tunic of many colors. Verse 4, but when his brothers saw that his father loved them more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Maybe you've met somebody that feels that way towards you. Verse 5, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the fields. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood up, stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to, bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, and his father kept the matter in mind. Verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their flocks, their father's flocks in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flocks in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? And he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me, where are they feeding the flocks? And the man said to them, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you to anoint your word tonight. Anoint me as your servant. Lord God, anoint your people's hearts to hear and receive when we give you praise in your great name. Amen. You may be seated. When we read the story of Joseph, the account of Joseph in Genesis, there are some things that cannot be denied because it's crystal clear from Scripture. Joseph was chosen by God. Joseph was anointed by God. I mean, you don't have dreams like that because you ate pizza the night before. Joseph had a destiny given to him by God. Joseph was favored by God and Joseph was favored by his earthly father. And God was with Joseph. We can see all of these things from the, the account in Genesis about Joseph. Now that sounds like a winning combination to me. I mean, judging from the criteria, it would look like Joseph had it made. It would look like that he, you know, he would be popular and everybody would like him. But when you read the Bible, we find out that this same Joseph, who had everything going for him, who was anointed by God, who was favored by his earthly father, and had so many great advantages, one day he found himself in a pit. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
In fact, I want to I want to detour from the message for just a moment uh, from the passage and, and say this. If somebody told you when you became a Christian that all your problems would be over. If somebody told you that the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would never have any other issues, there would never be any other problems, everybody would love you, you would be the most popular, you would be the most voted the most popular, the most likely to succeed, you would excel in everything, and you would always be praised by your friends, neighbors, and families. Can I tell you something? If somebody told you that, they lied. There are times, church, when we're going to find ourselves just like Joseph. We're going to find ourselves in a pit. See, Psalms 34, 19 tells us, Many are the afflictions of the unrighteous. No, that's not what it says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. (laughs) The point I'm trying to make to you tonight, church, is guess what? Christians get sick. Christians get in debt. Christians, unfortunately, face divorce. Christians get their hearts broken. Christians get in all kind of places they shouldn't be. Now, sometimes you fall in the pit. And sometimes you jump in the pit. And sometimes you get pushed in the pit. But it's still, the fact still remains, sometimes in our Christian walk, we find ourselves in the pit. And that's what Joseph did. All of a sudden, he found himself in the pit. Now, regardless of how you got there, a pit is a pit. And if you stay there, you will die. You and I, as God's children, were not destined. We were not created. It was never in God's plan for us to live the rest of our days in the pit. Because if we stay in the pit, we're going to die. Dreams die in the pit. Ministries die in the pit. Gifts, callings, marriages die in the pit. Sometimes we end up in the pit and it's not even our own fault. Now in Joseph's case, Reuben was responsible for Joseph getting put in the pit. Now, Reuben was the brother. Reuben was the oldest of the clan. The other brothers wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Joseph. Reuben at least said, let's not kill him. But Reuben was sick and tired of Joseph and his dreams. Because God was doing something in Joseph's life. And obviously, the same thing wasn't happening to the other brothers. The other brothers weren't having dreams. The other brothers weren't being favored. The other brothers weren't being anointed. And so they wanted to kill him. Get rid of him. Because you know what? People who know what the anointing is but aren't willing to live in it can't stand to be around somebody who is. That's good. But at least Reuben said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. Now, Reuben didn't say, let's throw him in the pit and, and, and leave him there for two hours. Reuben said, let's just throw him in the pit. Reuben was responsible for Joseph being in the pit. Now, we don't know, how, we don't know what happened, uh, but whatever it was, we know that Reuben was there when Joseph was thrown in the pit, but he wasn't there when Joseph got out. And the point of that is Reuben was surprised. Reuben was shocked because he saw Joseph go into the pit. He saw Joseph struggling. Because can I tell you, we might think it's a nice pretty picture. But I doubt very seriously that when his brothers grabbed him and started taking him toward the pit, that Joseph just went passively. I doubt he was probably struggling. He was probably screaming. He was probably yelling. Why are you doing this to me? What did I do to you? How come I deserve this? What's going on? Oh, you guys are just kidding, aren't you? Oh, you're getting a little close to that pit. Hey, that's deep. What are you guys doing? I can imagine Joseph was doing all that. And Reuben saw all that. He saw him struggling. He saw him fall down to the bottom of the pit. It was dark in the pit. It might have been wet in the pit. There might have been bugs and rodents and cockroaches and all kind of stuff. Can I tell you, we've experienced cockroaches to a new level living in Louisiana. (laughs) There might have been all kind of stuff down in that pit. And and Joseph was probably like, okay, guys, this is funny. Now get me out of here. Get me out of here. But he wasn't there. He came back to the pit. And guess who wasn't in the pit? Joseph. Joseph wasn't in the pit. He came back to that pit expecting Joseph to, to, to be pitiful and full of fear and confusion and stressing and crying and begging to be delivered. But Joseph wasn't there. Can I tell you that some of you have been in a pit 
and people saw you go in the pit. They might have even been the one that pushed you in the pit. And they've come back to inspect their work. They've come back to inspect and see if you're still in that pit. And lo and behold, to their surprise, you're not in the pit anymore. Because sure enough, if, if you get in the pit, God's got a plan to get you out of the pit. And we're going to talk about the plan and one of the tools that God uses to get us out of the pits that we might find ourselves in. I don't know what your pit might be today. Because some of you might be like, Pastor Barry, I'm there. I'm in the pit. I'm in the pit and it just doesn't seem like there's any way out of it. Your pit might be debt. Your pit might be sickness. It might be bondage or addiction. It might be depression or despair. It might be marriage problems that look so deep and dark and impossible that you feel like giving up. It might be a spiritual pit. You just don't feel God like you used to anymore. And you're dry and discouraged. I don't know what your pit might be. Because they all come in different shapes and sizes. But I can tell you this. For some of you tonight, you spent your last night in the pit. That's from the Lord. For some of you tonight, you've spent your last night in the pit. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So Reuben came back to the pit, to the place where he last saw Joseph, and Joseph wasn't there. He expected Joseph to die in the pit. Can I tell you tonight, don't let yourself die in the pit. Don't quit dreaming. Don't quit believing. Don't quit trusting. Don't quit expecting, even if you might find yourself in a pit tonight. Don't quit. Don't give up on God. It looked like Joseph was going to die in the pit. It probably felt like to Joseph he was going to die in the pit. But at a turn of, a turn of circumstances, in a matter of minutes, Joseph was up out of the pit and on solid ground. God's going to turn it around for some of you. I don't think everybody heard me tonight. God's going to turn around whatever it is needs to be turned around in your life. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. And I'm not even sure who he's going to use to do it. But I want to tell you, he's going to turn it around. If you learn anything from the Bible about God, you learn that God's in the turning it around business. He did it here in this passage for Joseph we'll talk about. He did it for Job. He did it for Daniel. He did it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He did it for Jonah. He did it for for Paul and Silas. It doesn't matter what your pit looks like. It doesn't matter how you got in your pit. If you're in your pit tonight, understand God's going to turn it around. And it'll happen suddenly. And if you don't believe me, look in the mirror. Look at where you used to be. Look at the person you are and remember who you used to be. (laughs) And be thankful you're not that person anymore. Come on. And if God can take you from where you were and bring you to here, He's sure not going to leave you if you find yourself here at this point suddenly in a pit. Because He brought you out of a bigger pit to get you where you are now. And if He did that, He's not going to quit. God's going to turn it around for some of you tonight. One minute he was in the pit. One minute he was in the dark. One minute it was terminal. One minute it looked like the end. And suddenly everything changed. Suddenly he was standing in the sunshine. In an instant it changed. Some of you are on the the verge of that suddenly, that instant. Some of you are like Peter. You fished all night. You caught nothing. But in one act of obedience, suddenly he went from nothing to more than he could handle. He went from empty nets to breaking nets. He went from an empty boat to a sinking boat. From loss to profit. From weeping to rejoicing. From being a loser to being a winner. Suddenly, because of one act of obedience. At the lowest point in Joseph's physical and spiritual life, God got him out of the pit. God stepped in. And he used another brother to do it. And that brother's name was Judah. Now, how many of you know what Judah means? Praise. Judah means praise. It wasn't his coat of many colors that got him out of the pit. It wasn't his anointing that got him out. It wasn't even his dreams that got him out. You know what it was? It was his ugly older brother named Judah who got him out of the pit. And Judah means praise. Reuben got him in the pit. But Judah got him out of the pit. I want to tell you tonight, Judah, praise will get you out of your pit. Praise will get you out of your pit. The circumstances may not have been Joseph's choosing. 
But it was praise that was responsible. It was Judah that was responsible for getting him out of that pit. Mean, old, ugly Judah got him out. The point I'm trying to make is praise doesn't have to be pretty to work. Praise can be ugly and be very effective in the eyes of God. See, anybody, hear me church, anybody can praise God when the battle's over. (laughs) Anybody can praise God after the sickness has been healed. Anybody can praise God when the marriage has been healed and restored and the family's mended. Anybody can praise God when you got a good retirement, money in your wallet and money in the bank. Anybody can praise God. But I'm here to tell you tonight, church, it takes something to shout in the face of the devil. It takes something inside you to praise when you when the doctors tell you there is no hope. It takes something to shout when you don't have two nickels to rub together. It takes something when you're going to go through the fire and you lift your hands and you lift your voice and you say with all your might, Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually be in my mouth. And it don't have to look pretty to be effective. (laughs) We need to learn to give God an ugly praise. Now, what's the definition of ugly? If you go to the dictionary, one of the definitions of ugly is very unattractive or unpleasant to look at, offensive to to the sense of beauty, displeasing in appearance, messy, offensive, objectionable, ugly, ugly, ugly praise. How many of you know some people have a problem with real praisers? Because, see, real praisers get loud. Real praisers get undignified. Real praisers get messy. They don't worry about their hair. They don't worry about their makeup. They don't worry about whether it all looks good or not. Real praisers can get real offensive to pretty praisers. I believe I'm preaching to a house of, uh, of people that don't care whether it's pretty or not. I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> See, pretty praisers know how to control their praise. Pretty praisers, man, they never mess up nothing. They make sure that it's not too loud, and they never think of running or jumping or dancing. They never think of it in the middle of a message, getting up off their feet and saying, Hey, man, pastor, you preach that because that's preaching to me. You're talking to me right now. They never think about getting a little excited and doing a little spin and a little dance all over the place because they're more concerned about it being pretty, and they're more concerned about it being proper. Now... I am thankful. And I'm, I may step on toes. I may, I, may, I may go where I don't need to go. But if I do, it's because the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this. I am so thankful in this house that it ain't got to be pretty to be praised unto God. I know in some houses that if you get a little bit out of line, you're escorted to another room. Where it's closed circuit, but you can do your little ugly praise back there because we want all the pretty praise. In fact, Pastor and I and my family and his family visited a place. Oh, Jesus. We visited a place, and can I tell you, it was real pretty praise because it was all the same, all at the same time, all at the right. It was like right on cue, right at the right point in the song. Everybody bowed. Everybody was doing everything, and the cameras were filling, filming all the pretty praise. I didn't see much ugly praise in the house. Can I tell you that God delights in ugly praise? Because when you, when you are desperate for God, Oh, somebody hear me tonight. When you are desperate, the doctors have told you there is no hope. The doctors have said, sorry, you got a month. You better get your will together. You better get the family together. You better get everything in order. When the doctors have told you that, you don't worry about what it looks like. You don't worry about whether it's pretty. You don't even worry about whether it's in decency and in order. You're going to praise. You're going to cry. You're going to seek God. You're going to do whatever it takes to be with God and get your answer. Ugly praise. I believe God delights in some ugly praise tonight. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. If this applies, it's from the Holy Spirit. Some, some, some people aren't getting their breakthrough because they're too bound up in pride to get ugly in their praise. You can't understand why it's not happening. You can't understand why you haven't got that breakthrough yet. That's because you're too concerned about whether it's pretty proper and not going to offend anybody. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know, look, how desperate are you? 
God, God meets you. He meets out with measure the answers to your prayers with the same measure of our desperation. Why? Because God's, God's a, a, a child abuser. He's our Heavenly Father. No. But we gotta put a demand on the anointing. Cause if it was easy, if it was, hallelujah Jesus, and all of a sudden we just got dumped on with blessings, man, it wouldn't mean anything to us. Ugly praise. Job lost everything. But after he had lost everything, I mean, man, his heart was breaking in a million pieces. He faced more tragedy than any human being should ever have to endure. But in the middle of it all, can I tell you, Job gave God an ugly praise. The Bible says he arose. He rent his mantle, his clothes. He shaved his head. And he fell down on the ground and he worshipped. In a day and age when we're more concerned about making it all pretty and stuff before. Job was like, ha, man, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Joseph, I mean, Job worshipped through his tears. He worshipped through groans. He worshipped with a broken heart. He worshipped through his pain, through his confusion. He gave God an ugly praise. And guess what God did? God gave him a beautiful future. God's got a beautiful future for some people here tonight. But he's like, look, are you, willing to, are you willing to get down and get ugly in your praise in order to receive that beautiful future? Hmm. The, Job's worship kept him in, connect, in connection with his destiny. And in the end, God blessed him with more, restored everything, and gave him double. Church, it'd be nice if we had the benefit of choosing the problems and trials that we face. But we don't. We don't have the benefit of choosing what comes our way in life. Sickness happens. The loss of a loved one happens. Debt happens. False accusations happens. Betrayal happens. We can't choose that. But you know one thing we can choose? We can choose to praise. We can choose the weapon of praise. We can choose to pick up that weapon and begin to use it. And you know what? I've never done fencing. And it looks all nice and proper. You know, the, all that stuff. You know, and, and it's got a tip on the end so nobody gets hurt. Man, when you in a battle and that thing over there is trying to kill you, you're not going to grab some little foil with a, a, a thing on the end to keep from hurting somebody. You're going to pick up a club. You're going to pick up rocks. You're going to pick up a piece of furniture. You're going to pick up a chair. You're going to reach for whatever you can find. And you're going to begin to use it with all your might. The same thing needs to happen in our praise. Man, when we come in the house of God, we ought to be so grateful. We ought to be so thankful. We ought to be so full of... Listen. I came over here on Friday, because we got in early Friday morning. I came over here on Friday um, for Friday night prayer. There ended up about 20 of us here. And I know many were going to the burn afterwards. I was headed there, but I was wiped out. Because again, I'm on that three-hour difference. Okay, so when it's 9 o'clock here, that's mid, you know, it's midnight back home. Okay, so I was wiped out and couldn't go. But I I walked in there and man, I just my heart was just so full because God is all over this place. I feel God all over this building, this property. I feel God when I'm around your pastor and his family. I feel God when I'm in the presence of the saints of God in this house. And I can't help myself. Man, I just lifted my hands and I was singing. I was it didn't matter if I was singing what what Micah was playing or not or what he was singing. Well, yeah, but see, then it gets kind of ugly and everybody's singing their own thing. Look, when you want to praise God, go ahead. Pick up whatever you got. Start right where you are and begin to praise Him. It don't matter if it's pretty. It don't matter if it's perfect. Many times the purpose of the pit that's in your life, if the pit is from the devil, is to kill your praise. Come on. The devil hates your praise. The devil knows that if you and I can ever get our praise on, his kingdom is in trouble. If I can get my praise on, I can get the devil off my back. If I can get my praise on, I can get the devil where he belongs, under my feet. Amen? Now, Joseph was not the only man of God who ever found himself in a pit. 
Psalm 40, verse 2 says, David said, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Jeremiah the prophet found himself in a pit. Jeremiah 38, 12. And you know how they got him out of the pit? <laughs> it says that an Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Hey, listen, there's, we're going to lower a rope down, but we're also going to send out a bunch of old, used, dirty rags, a bunch of ugly rags. Put those under your arms and wrap the rope around you, and we'll lift you up out of the pit. Jeremiah could have said, I don't send no ugly stuff down here. Don't send no used dish towels down here to me. I'm the prophet. I'm the man of God. Jeremiah was in a pit, didn't want to be in a pit, knew he wasn't supposed to be in a pit, knew it wasn't God's plan for him to be in a pit, knew God wanted him out of the pit. And he didn't care what it, God used to get him out of the pit. And God will get us out of the pit when we have the same attitude. God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people say because I ain't worshiping you for their sake. I ain't worshiping you for what they got to say to me. I ain't offering praise to them. I'm offering praise to you because I know my praise can get me out of this pit. Isaiah 61.13 says, Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He didn't say it would be easy. He didn't say it would feel good. And he certainly didn't say it would be pretty. As a matter of fact, it's pretty easy to see that he's talking about going from a low place to a high place. He's talking about moving out of heaviness into praise. He's talking about getting something that's off of you off and what's supposed to be on you on. See, my praise may look like old rags to you. Your praise may look like old rags to somebody else. My praise may be loud. My praise may be extreme. It may be offensive. And it may be even, some people may even go so far as to call my praise ugly. But that's all right, because it was ugly praise that brought Joseph out of the pit. It was ugly praise that brought Jeremiah out of the pit. It was ugly praise that brought Paul and Silas out of the pit. Think about that for a moment. Paul and Silas had been stripped beaten and put under the prison. And if the goal of the the religious leaders and the, the officials was to hurt Paul and Silas, can I tell you that they didn't do all those things and then send them to the doctor? To get all doctored up and they didn't buy them new sets of clothes because it says they stripped them of their clothes. They didn't buy them new sets of clothes and they didn't give them three square meals and ask them were they okay? Huh. They did those things, threw them in the stocks and Paul and Silas find themselves under the jail. I mean, they were, in the, they were in the inner jail. That's the jail inside the jail inside the jail. And it says about midnight. Why is midnight a key? Because that's the, except in Alaska, that's the dark, at certain times of the year, that's the darkest time of night. And when it looked hopeless, I don't believe that Paul looked around and says, where's the key, where's, where's Micah? <laughs> where's Minister Alex? Where's Heidi? That can give us the right pitch to sing in, you know? Can give us the right key. I don't believe he looked around and says, man, we can't do this worship thing. We only got two people here. We need at least three because we got to have three-part harmony. I don't believe they did any of that. I believe Paul looked over at Silas and said, hey, Silas, this is pretty bad, isn't it? And Silas says, yeah, it's pretty bad. And Silas didn't say, Paul, I'm in this mess because I was following you. How come you let this happen to me? Silas didn't say that. He said, yeah, it's pretty bad. But Paul said, you know what? And Silas said, yeah, I do. Our God's greater. And they begin to just praise Him, praise Him. They begin to sing. It didn't sound pretty. It prop- there was no good acoustics in that prison cell. There was no sound system. There was no perfect pitch. They just started praising. And they praised and they offered up such an ugly praise that guess what God did? He showed up. He shook the foundations of that jail, shook off their bondage, their shackles, the things that were keeping them bound, opened up all the prison doors so all the prisoners could go free. Why? Because two people decided they were going to praise God even if it was ugly, even if it wasn't convenient, even if it didn't look good. They were going to offer praise to God. Can I tell you, church, that that's the key for some of you tonight? You just need to praise God. You mean praise God for what I'm going through? No, praise God for what you're praise God in what you're going through. There's a huge difference. In everything give thanks, not for everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. Cuz Joseph never wanted to be in the pit, but his brothers put him there. But praise got him out. Mhm. <laughs> If Jeremiah, if David, if Joseph, if some of these guys would be here tonight, they'd tell you, listen, don't worry. 
about what's popular. Don't worry about what's the latest trend. Don't worry about whether everybody else is doing it. You do it. You worship. <laughs> David would tell you, listen, don't throw away. Don't, don't, don't throw away all that, that stuff that God's done for you and treat it like, like it's dirty and old. It may be ugly and God may have brought you out of ugly places, but praise Him. Continue to thank Him that He's brought you out of those ugly places. After many years of the Ark being absent, uh, the Ark of the Covenant being absent from Israel, David the king finally brought it home. Now, the ark symbolized the presence of God, his guidance, his protection, the favor of God. And David was so excited about the ark coming home that the Bible says he danced before the Lord with all his might. So much so that his wife was embarrassed for him. Because David removed himself from being a king and simply said, I am a worshiper of God and I am praising God. She was saying to him, that was shameful, that was embarrassing, that was ugly, that was humiliating. You know what? David could have said, oh, honey, you're right. Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. You think the board's going to mind? You think I'm going to get a letter of reprimand because I did that? Ooh, I wonder what what the rest of the... He could have said that, but he didn't. You know what he said? If you look in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 21, you'll you'll get the rest of the the message. You can read it there, but it says, look... He said to his wife, look, I was before the Lord, which chose me over your father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord. And therefore, guess what? (laughs) I will be base in my own sight. I'll be ugly. I'm not going to consider myself anything. And I and uh, and and I'll be base. I'll I'll reduce myself to to being ridiculed in front of the maidservants that you've spoken of. But what David was saying was, look, if you didn't like my last praise, if you thought my last praise was over the top, if you thought my last praise was embarrassing, if you thought my last praise was ugly, you ain't seen nothing yet. I will praise him yet even more with abandonment. There's a message for some of you tonight. You're in a pit and there's people that expect you to die there. You're in a pit because of things that that people have done and have put you there and they expect you to stay there and die there. Maybe you're in a pit because you jumped in the pit. And everything around you is telling you you jumped in it and there's no hope out, there's no way out, there's no hope, you're going to die there. Maybe you fell in it by accident. But can I tell you, when Joseph was thrown into the pit, the pit was empty except for him. But he began to fill it with praise, I believe. I believe this same Joseph, the same dreamer, who knew how to listen to God, who knew how to talk to God, I believe he didn't sit down in the pit and cry. I believe when he realized what was happening, that he said, Okay, Lord, you've given me dreams. God, you've destined me for more than the pit. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you in the midst of my pit. See, if they would have thrown dirt in on top of him, it would have become a grave. But he didn't. it wasn't filled with dirt. It was filled with praise, and he came out of his pit. Can I tell you tonight, you can praise your way out of your pit. You can shout your way out of your pit. You can dance your way out of your pit. And you can run your way out of your pit. But the choice is yours. What will you do when you find yourself in a pit? I'll offer you tonight, begin to offer some ugly praise. Micah, would you come? Begin to offer some ugly praise. In fact, there's some of you tonight that I've been preaching right at you. And you ought to be standing to your feet right now. And you ought to be praising God. Well, ain't nobody else praising God. I ain't preaching to everybody else. I'm preaching to you right now. If you're in a pit, start now. Don't wait till the music's going. Start now. Begin to praise your way out of the pit. Praise your way out of the pit. (laughs) Somebody's coming out of their pit right now. Amen. Go on, brother. Go on, brother. All right, since you need everybody else to do it, everybody stand all over this place. I know you know how to praise. I've been in this house. I'm still a part of this house. I know you know how to praise. Come on. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Come on and begin to praise Him. Whenever you're ready, you go ahead. Come on and begin to praise Him right now. Come on. Come on. 
Some of you have been in your pit so long. Come on. Your peace got a hold Yes, come on and praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Oh, come on. Your joy is going to be my strength. Yeah. Your peace got a hold of me. Your joy is going to be my strength always. Your joy. that God has given you. Don't don't be somebody that just fences with it. Come on. What a mighty God we serve. Pastor Barry's going to come back and minister and uh, flow as the Spirit would lead him. But we want to take a moment. If you could be seated. As is our custom, we want to receive a love offering for Pastor Barry tonight. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to KC. For those of you online, you can give online. Just click the button there on the KCAlaska.com website, and that'll take you to our online secure giving. Amen. I will send Pastor Barry one check for all the giving that takes place tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you. Great word. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray. Y'all ready? All right, we'll take a moment longer. I guess there would be a thing called an ugly offering, too. <laughs> it's not all neat and in order. That's just ugly. Just, oh, give it all. Go for it. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say, get ugly. All right, that's a great word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Pastor Barry and Jan and the Haggerty family and for what you're doing there in Sulphur, Louisiana. Lord, we love Louisiana, and apparently you do too, that you would call that family down there to minister, Lord. Lord, bless the church there at Sulphur. Bless Pastor Jan and Pastor Barry, their kids, the church, and multiply. Thank you for bringing them up here this season to impart God even this week to us. I give you praise. Pastor Barry, you got to preach Tuesday night. You preach Tuesday night. All right. Don't you miss Tuesday night. All right. You come. I know our youth are going to be over in Little Beaver. But you come Tuesday night. You bring a friend. How many say, I'm going to come and bring somebody? Amen. We're going to get ugly on Tuesday night. Come on, you try to bring somebody to church Tuesday night? Come on, wave at me. All right, good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Again, interrupted my own prayer. But Lord, bless them. Prosper them. Bless the gift and the giver now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, sure, just go right ahead. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. After you give, if you want to do this, if you're here tonight, I just there's some specific things I feel like the Lord wants me to minister. And we're not we're not going to go eternal, but if you're here tonight and, and, and more than anything, you just want to you want more of God. After you've given, after the offering baskets, would you just stand and just come come fill in around the altars here for just a few moments? Let's just continue to worship Him. Bo's going to going to sing and lead, and you guys follow as best you can, and and I'll stop her when I need to and, and do some specific ministry. Let's just spend a little bit of time just worshiping right now. Go ahead. Come on, just worship Him. presence of the Lord.
what I feel directed to the Lord. I felt this earlier today and so he's just quickened me again. If you're here tonight and you need a miracle in your body, the Bible says that we need to be going about the Father's business. Signs, wonders, and miracles should follow them that believe. If you're here tonight and you need a miracle in your body, physical healing, miracle touch, I want you to come and stand right here close to the stage. Get some ushers to come in behind you. The rest of you keep worshiping if that's not you. But if that's you, come come up the closest stage as you can. I don't have to know. See, see, a physical heal, a physical need can be a pit. And for most of us, we get in a pit of physical need. It what we didn't jump in, and we got pushed in. Okay? I don't know what all the different needs are, but I believe your faith in our Father is great tonight. And I know my faith, God has increased and built up in me faith. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm just going to believe according to God's will. Because in God's, in God's plan and God's purpose in heaven, there is no sickness, there is no disease. The rest of you continue to worship as they sing. And we're just going to believe together God's going to do miracles. And we're going to hear the testimonies about it tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Some of you may need to go, and that's fine. I'm just going to pray for the rest of these that are here and anyone else. You got to lay hands on them, Pastor? No, but I'm just going to try to impart to you what God's put in me. And that's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to lay hands on the rest that are here. And if you, need to, if you need to be dismissed, God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Make sure you, make sure you tell your pastor and, 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 and Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, how much you love and appreciate them. All right? You do whatever you feel left. Won't you let this be?